Hi, and you're very welcome back to episode 12 of the League of Ireland podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm joined, as usual, by Dean Zambra, captain of Longford Town. Um, Dean, you're very welcome back. Thanks for having me back again. Glad to be here. Now we're recording this on Sunday morning. Uh, how did you sleep last night? Bit of a disappointing result down in Bishopsgate. Yeah, well, <laughs> like a lot of players don't sleep too well after games anyway because of the, the adrenaline buzz and you don't get a lot of sleep recovery time. But um, yeah, it's a disappointing result. Um, I think we're close in games, but we just need to find an extra kind of 5 or 10%. Especially in this league, like, you know, we give uh, a little bit of leeway to the other teams and they punish you. And, and Bowes actually played quite well and took a deserved lead in the game. But just when we were kind of maybe back in it and looking to get an equaliser, they scored again against our own play, maybe. And, and that killed the game off. And, you know, we can't complain about the result. The, the better team won on the day. But from our own point of view, we're just probably a little couple of percentage away from from getting the results, you know, that way. So um, we're, we're there, thereabouts, but just need to find a little bit extra. Yeah, I'd agree with you. In terms of the actual, the, the movement at the time, you probably dominated for maybe the five or ten minutes beforehand, including probably, for me anyway, and I'm not just saying it because you're here, but a phenomenal tackle, uh, one of the best tackles I've seen in the league this season, uh, probably one that if you hadn't made contact with the ball, you could have been having a little conversation with the referee very shortly afterwards. Um, I haven't seen that from you in, in a long time, so always nice as a defensive midfielder to kind of, make those interceptions and win back possession for your side? Yeah, I mean, like, I've done that for majority of my career, really, you know, and as you get a little bit older, I think, uh, like, going to ground is your last uh, resort, really, and like you said, if I, if I don't make the tackle, uh, Ross Tierney gets away and possibly scores or sets up a chance, or, you know, I'd get booked if I had brought him down in that situation, so um, at that point of the game, you kind of had to make a little bit of a risk and try and win the ball back there, and you know, thankfully I did, and and it was a it was a good tackle. But you know, try to win the ball and intercept it more than going to ground because, like you said, the risk involved. But at that point in the game, yeah, yeah, we had to take a couple of risks to try and win the ball back quickly and try and break down that Bowes defensive barrier. And and to be fair, Bowes are a very strong defense. We we weren't able to break through the the rear guard that they had there. And and not long after, I think they scored a second goal. So I kind of put it out of sight then. You know. But in, in terms of that interaction, particularly, uh, how much of that goes through your mind? Do you think about the potential for getting booked? Do you think about um, the fact that you just have to win the ball? Or is it really just an instinct at this stage of your career? I think it's an instinct that, um, you know, I, I've seen the ball and kind of had to make a quick judgment as to whether I could get there, you know, quick enough or not. And uh, I thought it was within my reach. And obviously went all out to, to get it and, ha and had to time it perfectly. And I, I, I just about did. So uh, I don't think you have time to weigh up all the different consequences. I think you just have to make that decision and you have to rely on, you know, being a good decision maker. And I think at this point in my career, I get the decisions right more often than not. But like I said, if, if Ross takes another like slight touch, you know, he's going to be away from me or, or possibly I take him down. So, you know, it's all part of the game. They're those quick bang-bang uh, interaction plays, like, you know. So uh, this one went for me on the on this occasion. But like you said, being the kind of rear guard midfield player or, or holding midfield player there, you have to make challenges throughout, throughout the game, throughout the season. So I'm sure there'll be many more interactions like it throughout the, throughout the rest of the campaign. Speaking of quick, quick, bang, bang, um, Liam Burke 
struck an absolute fantastic goal. He's he's getting quite used to these now, his third of the season, and all of them exceptionally impressive. But he took one touch and bang, put it past Michael Kelly in the, the Longford goal from about 25 yards. Uh, he's some player, you got up close and personal with him yesterday. How did you find dealing with him and, and, and I suppose that strike in itself? Yeah, I think he's a very good player. And I think we spoke about balls at the start of the year whereby that kind of front four they had all moved on and they're integrating a new front four. And I think they're actually playing well now. And you're probably seeing after the first round of games that there's a little bit more cohesion and a little bit more gelling of those players. And, you know, we didn't give uh, Liam too much yesterday. But like you said, it was one touch out of his feet and, and in the top corner, like, you know, and we had Chris Forrester do that a couple of weeks ago as well. So we're really seeing like the top level Premier Division players being able to do that. So as I sp said at the start, when we were discussing it, we need to find maybe 2%, 5% more just to stop those uh, little interactions from happening because the players in this league are good enough to put it in the top corner. So... You know, from our point of view, we probably would have liked to be a little bit tighter. And from Bo's point of view, it was good moving to, to get him away and he gets a shot off and scores. So, you know, we're not a million miles off, like I said, but it's just those um, those small bits of quality that are separating the games at the moment for us. Yes, it was for the record, 2-0 the final score. Liam Burt on the half-hour mark and Ali Coote about 15 minutes from time. Uh, a little bit against the run of play, as we mentioned, uh, but 2-0 for Bo's. Their continuous a move up that table continues as uh, as the season progresses. Let's go back maybe to Friday night and take a look at some of the, the games that were taking place on uh, over the weekend. But we start on Friday night and we might start in chronological order. So Finn Harps, Dundalk, uh, they were up first on Friday. Um, Bally Buffet is a tough place to go. Ollie took a, his unusual stance sitting beside the shop as was well documented on social media. There were some very funny things. Uh, I know he got a couple of... Uh, People, maybe they weren't observing social distancing beside him in some of the memes that went around. I saw a former CEO of the FAI make an appearance with his buddy uh, beside Ali on that shop. Uh, Ali, he's some character. We've talked about him so much on the show, but Finn Harps, one all, they've got to be delighted with with their season and, and particularly that result. It's another fine result uh, for the Ballybuffet side and what a strike from McNamee. Yeah, and I think like they, they went to Bowes last week and got beaten kind of 4-0. It was probably the their worst game of the season so far but I think sometimes you see that in the league like between the part-time teams and the full-time teams that you're not right at it 100% every week but the the good thing for Ollie and Finn Harps was that they bounced back really really quickly and like you said a hard place to go Valley Buffet and, and they're continuing that trend so uh, I think they'll be happy with the point and over the course of the season they'll be happy with kind of the progression they're making they're, they're putting points on the board all the time they're not going long periods without wins or without points. And and I'm sure Ollie's delighted with that. And I think when we talked to Stephen Fowler at the start of the season, we kind of said to them, we expected them to maybe do better than just kind of hanging on for a, a playoff place. And and they seem to be doing that so far. So they'll be delighted. Um, From the dog point of view, it's probably not the worst point in the world. I know with the position they're in, they want to start winning games and moving up the table really, really quickly. But um, over the course of four rounds of fixtures, that individual result's probably not not the worst in the world. And the fact that they came back and got a point, they've done that against us. So they're probably building a little bit of momentum and a little bit of kind of character and continuity within the side. So they'll need three points moving forward, but they might not think it's the worst point in the world either. Yeah, I suppose a big talking point in Dundalk in the last two weeks, of course, was their little sojourn up to Belfast uh, last Sunday. They were photographed up there. Um, a lot of those players featured on on Friday evening 
the players who were pictured up in Belfast featured on Friday evening, uh, they did come back, as you mentioned, that uh, Ole got... Ole Eric Mitzkogan got his first goal for the club uh, just after half time. You kind of felt watching the game that maybe they might push on from there and, and go on and win the game, but it wasn't to be for them. Um, as a player, I know they broke COVID. Let's not get into the, the details of that. It's been done to death in, in the media and the social media over the last week or 10 days. But in, in terms of, I suppose, those kind of experiences where you feel like it's the world against you, does it help consolidate a squad like that? I suppose it can. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Dundalk Football Club are under that much kind of outside pressure that they can create a us against the world type approach. But uh, I think it can. Like, it's probably something that you use as a motivational tool. I still think, and again, we talked about it early in the season. Is there's a, a huge turnover of players, a lot of new kind of faces, and I still think they're looking for the right balance, the right gel. I don't see the same 11 being named week after week or even, you know, the spine of the same kind of team seem to be chopping and changing a little bit, trying to find something. So I think more so that side of things is what will get them through in the end when they, when they figure out what's their best 11 or what's their best shape. And maybe a couple of lads that have kind of been in and out through injury as well, come back in and, and bed in and that'll be what they'll be looking at going forward. But I still think a long way to go. So, um, you know, once they once they consolidate that, I think again you'll see them moving up a little bit. Absolutely, and uh, we're going to talk about Drogheda and St Pat's a little bit uh, with our guest later on in the program. But first of all, as well, Dan O'Reilly's joining us, obviously uh, from Drogheda United. But uh, your quickly your own thoughts on the game, uh, Drogheda three one winners. They've got to be delighted with how their season's going so far. But they're worth every single result they've had. Yeah, um, I think they played really well. Um, it wasn't kind of a smash and grab win against one of the top sides kind of thing. It was it was a good performance. Uh, two very, very good goals in the first half. Dane Massey's free kick and Mark Doyle's strike from the edge of the box. And um, I think, you know, they just probably capitalised on Pats coming from a, a really difficult result the week before. Um, they might be just got on top of them early and... and you know, the first goal, especially going 2-0 up is so important in this league and it really gives you a platform to win games and draw to were well worth their uh, their three points in the end. Yeah, and of course, uh, Shamrock Rovers, Derry City also uh, took place on Saturday evening. Um, I know you were playing while this was on as well, so you mightn't have had a chance to to see much of it, but the main talking point, uh, as well as two late sending offs, which didn't affect the result, uh, was Shamrock Rovers' equaliser. A fine finish from Gary Shaw, but if you roll it back a couple of seconds, uh, the throw-in definitely not taken from where the ball went out. In fact, so much so it caught not only the Derry City defence off guard, the cameraman didn't even catch the throw-in. It was taken so far away. Um, a bit of opportunism from Shamrock Rovers, poor officiating. Um, a bit of both? Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, it's it's a poor decision. I don't think... I don't think Rovers are doing anything that anyone else wouldn't do. I think Liam Scales ran and grabbed the ball. Roddy Gaffney made a run. He throws it to him. Like, you know, it's... It, I don't know. I, said, if they, I don't know why I said Gary Shaw. My head's absolutely melting. Uh, but yeah, it was Gaffney, obviously, by the back of yeah. the Rolling back the years here for uh, for Gary. Yeah. Rory Gaffney, yeah. I don't think... Um, I don't think they've done anything wrong, per se. But it's it's a poor officiating error between whether just a linesman, a fourth, the referee. Like... They could have all pulled it back, um, you know, what was it, 15, 20 yards maybe, you know. But a long way to go as well before the goal, the ball went in the net. And I think, like, Rory would be a little bit disappointed with 
kind of how it ended up in the net from that position as well. So, you know, there's a couple of little things there. I think all the other clubs will look and say, oh, Rovers got another decision because I think they've got a couple of quite soft ones over the, the first round of fixtures. But they're also the team that presses and presses and presses most of the game. So sometimes the decisions come with that kind of relentless pressure. And as well, it was like 50-odd minutes. So it... You, you're thinking that it probably didn't change the outcome of the game. They still would have had time to score or maybe equalise uh, at another point. So, you know, from Rovers' point of view, it's probably quick thinking, nothing more than that. But I think from officiating point of view, um, they should have got it right and it should have been brought back. When you say Rory will be disappointed, you mean, of course, Rory Higgins, not Rory Gaffney. He'll be over the moon with it, yeah. Uh, but in terms of the officiating, we've seen some poor decisions and and... It's an easy target. Uh, going after referees is an easy target. But the reality is we're all human. We all make mistakes. Um, just because it goes against us this week and goes against it goes for us next week, um, it just seems to kind of balance each other out at times. So, like, uh, there's, there's perfect examples all across the season where you get a decision one week, you lose a decision the following week. It does tend to even out. It's just when it's that blatant, it's, it's kind of hard to take. But I suppose in, the, in defense of the officials... It's probably the one place in Tala Stadium. You're the furthest away from the fourth official. There's no assistant referee on your on your half of the pitch. Um, it's very hard to enforce that, particularly when it happens so quickly. Like the ball's in the back of the net before you realise it's what's even happened. Um, and then you're pulling back a goal. It's, it's a, it takes a fair set of, of cojones to, to pull that back if you're a referee. Yeah, and I, like... I think it's a poor decision, but I think we often get into kind of crucifying people for every decision, you know, that way. Like you said, referee could turn his head for a couple of seconds and not see exactly where the ball's gone out of play. And then you don't have another official on that side. It's picked up and thrown in really quickly. So I think when the officials do their analysis and look back on it, they'll be disappointed they didn't get it right. And and they will wish they had have pulled it back. But we also have a situation whereby you get some and you don't get others and, and there is a, you know, kind of balancing of these things out over the course of the season. So like, I don't think anyone needs to be crucified over it, but I think we would like to see the standard at a level that that doesn't happen when it's a, a blatant one and a, and a quite obvious one. Yeah, I agree with you. And there was one game, of course, that didn't take place this weekend. Waterford United, uh, not Waterford United, Waterford FC. I'm full of the naming errors. I'm rolling back the years, showing my age. Waterford FC conceded their game effectively, told Sligo Rovers they wouldn't be making the journey to the showgrounds. Uh, no official decision as yet. The uh, disciplinary structures within the FAI will make a decision on that. But it's hard to see anything else but a Sligo Rovers walkover based on what happened with Kevin Teeley and Galway early in the season. Um, from a player's point of view, uh, do you like in this situation, even if it's for or against you, would you rather the game be played or are you happy that the rules as the FAI laid them out at the start of the year are being observed in this instance? Yeah, I think it's a difficult situation because obviously we've seen them roll out a team last week and, and got beaten heavily and probably didn't want to incur that kind of result again and then this week they decided not to play the game. And I think it's just a little bit of a bad look for the league overall. It feels like we were not fully buttoned up in terms of our protocols and things like that. And then I, I know some people were kind of throwing accusations at Dundalk saying like their players could have been involved in something, but they all played then as well. Like, and is it kind of one rule for the bigger club and one rule for the, for the other club? I don't think the situations are exactly the same. So I don't think they're that comparable, but... I think we, we've just let ourselves into a situation whereby 
I don't think everybody, League of Ireland fans, players, people at other clubs know exactly what's going on every week with each individual situation. Like, and from from my point of view, with a being a Longford point of view, we're obviously you know looking to pick up results and looking to pick up wins, and we've got Waterford who have essentially conceded two games now, and then maybe we play them later in the year and they're at full strength again, and it could affect other teams so there might be a competitive balance issue further down the line with teams that didn't get to play them during this period as opposed to teams that took they took points off when they were at full strength like you know so that's probably the only situation that could that could arise but again it leaves the FEI in a tough situation that they don't really have any other options and you can't you can't postpone fixtures you know at will and then try to fit them in further along the calendar because the calendar is so full anyway. Yeah, it is chock a block. And of course, uh, we'll talk later in the show, but we've double found the fixtures next weekend, Friday and Monday in the Premier Division. But at the moment, it's Shamrock Rovers who lead at the top of the table. Uh, everybody, Barcelona and Waterford, obviously, uh, have played 11 games so far. Shamrock Rovers lead by six points uh, from St. Patrick's Athletic. Sligo Rovers, with that game in hand, which we suspect will be awarded to them, they're two points behind Pats on 19. And then you've got a whole scatter of clubs from 16 points down to 10, you've drawn out of Finharps, Bowes, um, one point separating each of them, 16, 15, 14, Dodok on 11, Derry on 10, yourselves, Longford on 7, one clear of Waterford, uh, although they have a game in hand, but as we mentioned, we do expect that to be awarded to Sligo. So uh, a little bit of breathing space there. The goal difference, uh, from your point of view, in terms of that competition at Waterford, um, you've picked up, I suppose, 10 points advantage uh, on them in the last two weeks, uh, which may or may not, as you mentioned earlier, come into a decision as to whether ye or them might be ahead of each other at the end of the season, wherever on the table you might find yourselves. Uh, let's take a look at the first division um, as we go down and obviously uh, some big, big games at the weekend. I, I'm not sure how many of these you got to watch. Um, obviously, you were playing while Cove and Shells did battle on Saturday night. For me, the tie of the round was actually Galway and Wexford. It had the makings of the fairy tale. Wexford have had a poor season so far, rooted to the bottom of the table, zero points from their opening seven games, and they're four minutes deep into the four minutes added at the end of the game against one of the better sides in the league. Galway United away. Script was written for them to pick up their first results of the weekend. And uh, David Hurley hadn't quite read the ending. He buried it from uh, edge of the box. Uh, lovely finish. Uh, Galway took all three points. Great from a Galway point of view, but a heartbreaking for then managerless, now new manager appointed uh, on Saturday afternoon at Wexford. Uh, there's only really one way to look from this. You've got to pick yourself up and go again, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be devastating for them. Like that, they, that point was within touching distance. And... Uh, you know that's kind of what happens when you're when you're down there. You know you don't get the bit of luck or you know team scores with like a couple of seconds left in the added time even as well. Like it's not even the last minute of the kind of regulation. Like so, you know that that's what happens when you're down there. And I'm sure they'll keep plugging away. And with Ian Ryan gone in as manager now, I'm sure he'll have his own ideas and and set the team up to, to try and start picking up some points but um from Galway point of view uh they'll be delighted to get the win you know they didn't we you, you wouldn't want to drop points uh at home to the bottom club so getting that last gas winner could be a big result for them in the end and it, it might just ignite them a little bit I think it's been a little stop start so far for for John and you know if they can kind of capitalize on that win and then push on and like we always say with the first division you're, you're never you're only a couple of results away from really being in the mix for, for promotion at any stage so 
um, they'll look at, at as a catalyst for, for better results come forward. Absolutely. And I think from Ian Ryan's point of view, obviously, uh, he's moved from UCD, who have a good reputation of working with young players and developing players. And he's been a huge part of that in recent years. Um, he's gone in there. I suppose I listened to the lads commentating on the game uh, from Galway on Friday night for a little bit. And even they said themselves a minute or two into that stoppage time that Wexford will work the draw if that's what happened. It was almost prophetic in terms of uh, how it was going to work. But um so the, it's not as bad as the league table might suggest for Ian Ryan one in there. Um, no, I don't think so. I think probably if he evaluates all the performances, he might think they deserved four points, five points, whatever it might be, looking over them. There was obviously the UCD game where they were a goal down, a man down from the first minute of the game. But kind of the other ones, there's not a huge amount. I, I think they took a beat in that Cork as well, which was heavy enough. But other than that, like they've been kind of there, thereabouts, even for certain periods of the game, like probably first hour, first, you know, 75 minutes. And probably just needs to find that extra little gear for them to start picking up points. But... um. I don't know if Ian will go in and change things huge, hugely in terms of the team or the selection or, or the way they'll play. But I think his first focus will just be to break that duck that's on the board at the minute and, and get something on the board. Yeah, of course, one of the big games in your neck of the woods on Friday night was the visit of Cabantini to their near neighbours, Bray. 3-0 win for Bray in that game. Goals from Dylan Barnett, Richie O'Farrell early on and then Gary Shaw, who else? 15 minutes from time just to put the gloss on it. Um, Bray will be happy because Cabantini is a tough place to get a result or a tough team to get a result against Yeah I think your real Jekyll and Hyde stuff with Cabantini like they, one week they, they could beat the league leaders the next you know they get beaten 3-0 or 4-0 like, and I think that's just the nature the makeup of their squad at the minute but um, I think we talked about Bray and they drew five of the first six and we were kind of saying they're probably a result or two away from really shooting up the league. And now they've won their last two and good performances. Like So I think Gary will be much, much happier the last couple of weeks. And emphatic 3-0 win, like you said, against a difficult Kevin Teeley team, I think really pushes them on. And, and when they were drawing those games, I think we said a couple of times on the podcast that they're not out of it, even though they hadn't kind of won a game in those first five or six. And now they're starting to, to look good again. Like So expect Bray to, to keep pushing on. And uh, Kevin Teeley, I don't know what to expect. He could he could get a win next weekend, and it's just totally totally different uh, kind of you know variations on their results week to week. Yeah, they they treaty next next weekend, and of course we'll talk about that game and Treaty's one 0 win on the score sheet for the first time in his career in the league. Jack Lynch, uh, we'll be chatting him in a couple of minutes, uh, but they got to be happy. Athlone have been impressive this season. Uh, Treaty went out, got a result against them at home, one 0 uh, moves them closer to the top of the table, uh, level with that loan as it happens. Yeah, and when teams are going to treaty now, I think you know we're kind of saying we'd fancy treaty, or we expect them to get kind of a point or something on the board. So when that loan went down there, I think we we had felt this week like that would be a difficult one for that loan, and coming off the back of a couple of losses as well for that loan. So um, I think Adrian would be disappointed that it's now you know a couple of games in a row, but. Um, it just shows what a competitive team Tommy's put together at Treaty and, and that they're really, it's a really difficult place to go. When they get in front, they have that real solidity and belief and, you know, that they can hang on and, and, and get results and, and three points specifically and not just draws and things like that as well. So um, very, very good three points for Treaty. And, and like I said, we've, we've been impressed with how competitive they've been so far. 
Yeah, I suppose the last game on Friday night in the first division was the meeting of UCD and Cork City. Now, UCD have been lighting the, the scoring charts up all season, but drew a blank against Cork, who themselves struggled in front of goal. Nil-nil, a bit of a stalemate, uh, not even really much in the way of chances. Um, not a great game for either side and probably two points dropped for both, I'd imagine. Yeah, and I think just maybe what you see there is two sides with a lot of young players and probably trying to play a similar style, so maybe cancelling each other out a little bit. We know like Cork have a lot of young players and trying to play some good stuff, and we've seen them playing really good stuff the week before against against Wexford. And UCD, we know that model is uh, get the ball forward, getting it to the front three, and they have a very potent front three. And maybe they just cancel each other out with their styles a little bit, but like you said, they, they kind of both fail to create a lot and both... Obviously, not much goal scoring opportunities in the game. So, um, probably Cork would be happier, I'd say, maybe with the point coming up to UCD. But um, UCD, I think, have impressed me so far this season. So, I don't think it will be too much of a stumbling block for them going forward. I think they'll, they'll get goals uh, again soon. Yeah, you have to say as well, a couple of players missing in the UCD side. No Liam Kerrigan and no Jack Keating. And we've had both of them on the show uh, recently. They've been integral to their fine performances this year. Neither of them featured the other night and I think UCD when it comes into this season with exams maybe a few injuries or a suspension or two um, it can be tough for them to keep consistency the whole way through that spell in May June yeah I think it's it's kind of often said around the league if if you're playing UCD during that time there, there can be a little distractions there um, so I've asked for Andy to manage that manage the players and, and we know they haven't got a really really deep squad we know a lot of talented players but probably not a hugely deep squad and, and especially experience wise so if you've got a couple of lads like Liam and Jack that have experience in the league and you're taking them out and putting in kind of newer uh, lads that have no experience it, it can just affect what you're trying to do a little bit so uh, uh, it's not a crisis by any means but I think it's just something that Andy will monitor throughout the, the kind of couple of months that it'll affect them you know. I suppose the final game of the season, or the weekend, should I say, in terms of results. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I think I've had uh, some lessons from the Tony Dunhu school. Uh, I haven't put home farm back in the league yet, but I'm, I feel like I've had uh, four or five blunders. Uh, the final game of the weekend, Coleman's Park, Cove Ramblers versus Shells. And I suppose you've had experience in a title battle with Shells, with Longford maybe two seasons ago. And they just seem to have that ability to grind out results they seem to have kind of taken that again to a new extreme and one nil down after a quarter of an hour Connor drawing with a, an effort for Cove it looked like they were probably going to actually go and win this game uh, but the last half hour shells just came into their own and really just powered away John Ross Wilson a fine um, score from the edge of the box great effort uh, and then that man um, well he does it all the time um, in terms of, of just popping up when they absolutely need him. Ryan Brennan, in the right place at the right time, um, took the winner five minutes of time. Shells, again, they're putting just a little bit, a couple of points, that's all it is at the moment, but just those couple of points between themselves and the and the rest at the top of the table. And I suppose they came into the season as title favourites. Uh, they're beginning to look like the early season the hype. Yeah, it's just, I think they're doing what they need to do. The mirror done a couple of seasons ago when they won the league, which... Maybe not always, but um, they're kind of grinding out the wins at the right times and a bit of momentum and build confidence in the group that can they can get the results needed. And you know, ten in the first division, it's not about being all that all that extravagant games. And like starting to put a points between themselves and 
over the course of three rounds of fixtures, I'm sure uh, you might expect that they they extend that gap further and put themselves in a position to go straight back. Yeah, well, listen, uh, let's jump into the interviews of the weekend, obviously, with the roundup done. Shell's top of the league, and someone who knows all about Shell's top of the league is our first guest, although he's with Drogheda these days. It's Dan O'Reilly, formerly of your parish in Longford, and now playing this trade with Drogheda. Let's have a chat with him about their fantastic result this weekend and how the season's been going so far. Now, Daniel O'Reilly of Drogheda United, and we welcome to the programme. How's it going, lads? Uh, great. It's a pleasure to have you. I suppose we might as well start with the fantastic results at the weekend. It was uh, St. Pat's in town. They've been in fine form this season. But you, uh, you ended their, their little run and you got yourself a really, really nice victory in the process. Uh, there must be a great mood in the camp up there in Head in the Game Park. Yeah, look, it was a really good win. Um, I thought going into the game... Friday, like, you know, coming off the back of a big result last week, you know, we're full of confidence. Obviously, last week's result was a bit of a mad one playing against Waterford 19s. But look, we got a few goals and obviously we talked bringing it into our patch on Friday. You know, Pats might come having lost to Rovers the week before last minute that, I don't know, we just thought we could catch them, like, you know, and we started off really well. And as I was saying to Dean beforehand, you know, we got that first goal and, just kept building on that then, and uh, yeah, it was a really good result. Do you think you surprised teams a little bit so far, Dan? Like, I know you are very close against Rovers to get a point, and then Pats are kind of one of the top teams as well, coming to your place and you beat them. Do you think you've kind of surprised teams along the way with getting some results and some of the performances as well? Like, it's not just hanging on for a result, it's actually, you know, good performances too. Yeah, like, to be honest, in every game bar the Bowls game, we've actually played well. Um, performances have been there. A few games, like like you said, against Rovers, we were unlucky. Um, we've drawn a few games where we thought we could have won. So, um, yeah, I suppose we surprised people. But, you know, there's a general belief, like, in our camp that we're good. Like, you know, but we just, we just want to take every game as it comes. And, you know, obviously, as the season goes on, it's a long season. So, it's only early days yet. So, we definitely won't get carried away. Yeah, in terms of, I suppose, the, the actual performances all year, um, you've impressed me right from the very first game where uh, you <clears throat> took all three points in the last kick of the game against Waterford. Now, we've seen a very different side of Waterford. Uh, the two games there, you had to fight tooth and nail first day of the season, and then the 7-0 last week down in in um, in the RSC, polar opposites. What's your own experience of, I suppose, um, those two games in particular in terms of, I suppose, do you get much pleasure are they going down and putting seven past a group of kids? Um, you know, it's kind of a lose, not a lose-lose, but, you know, you're going into the game and, like, people are expecting you to win regardless. So, if you win 1-0, people are going to say, oh, like, you should have batted them. But if you win 7-0, people are saying, oh, it's only against the 19s, like, you know. So, um, in terms of going down, we just, you know, try to keep it professional and obviously look goals are hard to come by in this league so in terms of goal difference I think it's it's obviously really good for us and um, look at the end of the day we won 7 it was 5 nil at half time like the game was obviously done and dusted but you know it's you won't get many games or any games at all like that this year like yeah, most games are just intense flat to the mat mentally as well as physically you know um, so yeah obviously you enjoy the goals but you know the games that you're you have to be 
always spot on, you know, like Friday night, you have to be mentally aware of the whole game. Like it's, it's obviously completely different to last week. Like you formed a partnership there with Dane with old Palamoyan at center half. I know you've played right side of centre back a little bit for us, like in Longford as well. And Dane's coming in from left back. Like, how has that partnership formed over the first kind of round of games with maybe both not playing in the ideal position, but still kind of forming a, a good solid base for the team? Yeah, look, um, Dane's been around a long time. Like, he brings a wealth of experience. Um, obviously, he's a left back, but I know he's played centre back before for Dundalk. Um, and I think he slotted in really well, you know. Um, but he'll even tell you himself, like he's obviously learning as well as he's going along. But um, we've obviously played three at the back. We've played two. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I'm not really fussed whether I play right, left, in the middle. It's it's much of a muchness. Obviously, you just have to adapt. Um, yeah. But playing alongside someone like Dane, you know, his experience. And he helps out like Connor Kane and stuff at left back. So. Um, I think even though we're both left foot, I think we complement each other well, or we have complemented each other well so far. Um, so I've enjoyed playing with them, yeah. Of course, Dane got on the score sheet on uh, over the weekend. Uh, fantastic free kick between himself and Ronan Murray. There must be fairly uh, good competition for who takes the, the kicks so far this year, because that's we've had two great shots from them this season. One is in preseason, mind you, but but still. Yeah, I'm never going to hear the end of that one now from Dane. Um. We're only practicing free kicks there a couple of weeks ago and training and um, he was actually hitting them well. But, um, you know, when a free kick comes, you've got a few players that are running up going, I'll take, I'll take. And then if you miss, yeah. you're done then, you know. So uh, I'd say he'll be on them for the next while anyway. You can hit them as well, Dan. Have you put, thrown your name in the hat? <laughs> I tried the Friday night, but Dane wasn't having it. Like, um, he was just like, nah, I'm hitting it, so... What can you do? Like you're not, you're not going to be a baby about it. You just get on with it. Yeah, especially when he pulls that out of the, the locker. You can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't say it, and like you know. Yeah, you know, like to stand on. In terms of the game the other night, I suppose uh, Mark Doyle has been a bit of a revelation this year. I know he's he's had a couple of really really top notch performances this season, and um, the goals before half time really settled kind of the nerves and kind of it's always a good time to score. But how much different was the the atmosphere in the dressing room at the break, given the nature of the 2-0 up against one of the league leaders? Yeah, look, Doyler scored a cracker, obviously. Um, and going in 2-0 compared to 1-0 is obviously, you know, you have a bit of a, I wouldn't say breathing space, but, you know, like the game is in your control. <clears throat> um, obviously, they scored quite late on and it was, we were kind of back against the wall. But going in 2-0, you know, you, you really have that belief that, right, we can really get another one here or we can sit back and absorb the pressure, which we kind of did. And that's kind of just how the game um, panned out. But yeah, obviously going in 2-0, you're, you're going, right, this this game is in our hands now. Yeah. Who's been Sorry. Sorry, yeah. In terms of yourself, Dan, like I know you probably had a typical kind of League of Ireland career, having played for a couple of clubs, even at a young age. But do you think um, with Kev... And and Tim, two good League of Ireland defenders. That that's the right place now for your career to develop a little bit. Yeah, look, um, I obviously played with yourself and Kev at uh, Longford, like you know. So I know Kev from there. But um, yeah, the two lads, <clears throat> obviously they're quite young, like so they're they're still very in tune with how players and how the game is today. Like um, so for me, it's just been really enjoyable so far. Um, in terms of the league, like obviously you can go from club to club. It's 
you know, you only get one year contract. So people yeah. can say, oh, you've been here, you've been there, but like you have to, obviously you need a club. Like, so sometimes yeah. you just have to do what's best for you, but you still want that stability. Like if you can play somewhere for a few years and enjoy your football, I think that's better. Like, um, but yeah, I've just, I really enjoyed it so far. Um, and obviously just want to keep it going now. There looks to be a really good competitive uh, competition, I suppose, really to, to get in the team every week. Um, I know a few of you have nailed down regular starting places, but I know there's been ins and outs and, and goals. Colin McCabe's come in some weeks. David Almuster seems to be in, in possession of that jersey at the moment, but it's flip-flopped. It's the same in a couple of clubs across the country. In, in terms of, I suppose, what that brings to the squad, knowing that you have to perform every week or you're there literally is somebody just chopping at the bit to get your jersey, does that help as a player or is it something that's always in the back of your mind as a bit of a concern? No, I think it helps. Um, I think competi- like healthy competition in a squad is good. Um, you know, you, you have to, you can't depend on too many players because if you get injuries, like one or two injuries and you're kind of playing the same players, then you don't know where you're going to go. Like, so um, we actually have a good few young lads who are, are really good and they've done well and they've come in. Um, so to have that competition um, each week and know, like, you know, sometimes you kind of know maybe going into a game that you might play on the back of a previous performance, but it's also the opposite of way. Like, if you don't play well, you know, there's someone else there to come in and fill the jersey and they'll do just as well as you, like. Away from the pitch, Dan, obviously you own your own uh, training company, Us to You Fitness, um, and you spend a little bit of time in England as well, like in, earlier in your career. Where do you think we're at in terms of like the overall kind of conditioning, fitness levels of League of Ireland players? Like, do you think we're getting to that stage now where we're matching what's across the water from that particular point of view, or do you think we're still a little bit away? Is there is there more that we can do, kind of as a as a whole as a league to get up to those elite fitness levels? I think it's definitely gotten better. Um, like from when I came into the league compared to now, it's like the quality of say like SNC coaches and stuff like that in the background has 100% improved. Um, I still do think obviously, I wouldn't say we're a bit behind, but in terms of like the financial side of things, you know, that obviously helps, you know, being in England, you see like they have everything, you know, because they have the money, you know, obviously we've got the GPSs and stuff like that now. Um, but over there, it's a bit like a bit more extreme. You've, you've got everything at your disposal, but it's definitely improved. Like, um, like even myself, I've worked with a few different fitness coaches over the last few years. Like the quality of them is really good. Um, like obviously at the full time teams, you know Rovers and Dundalk, they obviously can pay the S and C coaches more. So maybe that maybe that's the issue as well. You know, with the not the full time teams, they mightn't be able to afford a full time S and C coach. Yeah. But I think it's definitely improved. And um, yeah, slowly but surely, you know, we're getting there. You even see players coming back from England. And they find that the tempo of the game is really high. Like they think, you know, your your stereotypical one where they come home, they think they can just walk into a team and stuff. Like they're in for a rude awakening when they see the actual tempo of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So in terms of I suppose, other things happening off the pitch around Rohat at the moment, um, couldn't help but see the, the social media plea on Saturday evening about the, the fire that was caused uh, with the youth club up in Drogheda United and the destruction of their premises and their gear and stuff. Um, I know they've launched a, 
I, I go for me. I'm not sure what it is as people will, will see this, but it, it was a really, really impressive start. A couple of thousand euros in, in the first few hours of the of the campaign. And um, how much is that sort of stuff a setback to, I suppose, League of Ireland not being able to secure that stuff properly and be uh, kind of able to to protect against? I don't know what I call them youngsters. We call them whatever you want, but uh, we we go with youngsters for now. I know I'd like to call them a lot worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, obviously you're going to get uh, things like that happening. Like, it doesn't matter. It could be in Drogheda. It could be in anywhere, like, you know. Um, but it's obviously just going to give you give that a bad name or, like, give that area a bad name if something like that happens. But um, I think, like, responding to that, like, with a GoFundMe or trying your best to use, say, the social media platform that clubs may have, getting it out there, I think that's the only way you can you can really help, like, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll, uh, the support will be there. And there's obviously a GoFundMe there if anyone wants to check it out on uh, on social media, on Twitter. I know Drogheda United shared it over the weekend. Uh, in terms of the, the rest of the season going forward, obviously, I think you're probably playing above expectations of, of neutral people looking from the outside in. You're in the top half of the table after more than the first round of games. Uh, where can this team go? Is a European run within the, the possibility of this group of players? To be honest, I don't know. Um, like, like I said to Dean earlier on, you just kind of take each game as it comes. Um, for us, we want to obviously stay up. You know, that's the main goal for us. And I, I would be lying if I didn't say it wasn't. Like, you know, um, I think like ask if you ask me again in another eleven games, then maybe it could be a different answer. Like, but at the moment, we just want to. Try get as many points on the board as we can, um, and try like secure that Premier Division status again. Like, uh, sorry for next year. Yeah, Monday night, of course, you're playing Harps on Friday, but Monday night there's a bit of a battle, uh, with Longford back to old stomping ground. You get to play against uh, an old team. You get to play against Dean. Uh, yeah. Who's going to get to kick who first? Or does uh, Dean doesn't get that far forward, so it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know why, so we won't be near each other. Yeah, we won't see each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm look, I'm looking forward to that. Um, obviously, you know, you don't have much time to think about games when you play on a Friday, um, and then you play on a Monday. It's kind of like right Saturday morning. You're you're getting yourself ready to go again on Monday, recovery wise. So, um, but I enjoy. It. I don't know about you, Dean. Like, obviously, you know, training. You train a lot, like, but. Yeah. When you play games Friday, Monday, you kind of just bounce back in. If you win, you're going in like you know, full of confidence. But if you lose, you're going right. We've we've we can react now on Monday, like you know. I'm finding the recovery is just so important, Dan. Like the you just have to recover well and and go again. Like even you know during even when you have a week to build up, it's recovery early part of the week, and then you're kind of ramping up again to come into the next game. Like you know the way it's this gradual process, like. So that that's what I'm finding the biggest uh, the biggest thing for us, like you know, is recovering and being ready to go into that next game. Yeah, I think that's a massive part of it. Like like if you play on a Friday, I don't know about you, but Saturday I'd be okay. But even Sunday I'd be more stiff like than the Saturday, you know. Especially if you play away from home, I do struggle to sleep after games, like whether it's home or away, like staring up the walls at two or three in the morning, just yeah. adrenaline. Like so, then obviously you don't really get a good sleep then, so. Um, you're trying to get a good make up for it the night after, you know, you got your ice bath, your foam rolling, you know, the usual bits and bobs. Um, yeah. And then if you're working too, like the likes of ourselves, we're working 
so that plays a role in as well you know um I think the full-time teams are obviously a bit lucky that that's all they do you know whereas we have to look after our bodies a bit more yeah, thanks for making Dean not, not t- making Dean feel too old, but pretending you also need time to recover after games. <laughs> Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks very much for popping in. Uh, the best of luck uh, over the next few weeks, and who knows, maybe that fourth place could uh, could stay in Drogheda's hands uh, as they get closer and closer towards the end of the season. Thanks very much. No worries, lads. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Dan. Thanks. Now in a weekend of firsts for Jack Lynch of Treaty United. First time on our show, first time finding the back of the net. And it wasn't a bad effort as well, to be fair. A nicely worked one-two, and he just coolly slotted it past Michal Schlingerman in the Athlone goal. A 1-0 victory for Treaty on Friday night. Uh, Jack, welcome to the programme. Thanks very much for having me, lads. Delighted to be here. Let's talk about the goal first. First time, first goal in the in the league. Uh, how much is a kind of a, a midfield defensive player does that come into it like are you happy with that obviously you're happy to get in the score sheet but you took your finish like uh, any decent striker would be proud of yeah you know, it's a bit of a blur now to be completely honest I've been waiting so long for a goal now I can't bloody remember the thing um, but no look I think we've seen the video the funniest bit of the video is is when Red tries to take a shot from from 50 yards uh, it just happens to fall back into my feet I played into Sticky and then Sticky plays one of his kind of uh, trademark slide rule passes that no one in the whole country would see bar himself and uh, it just ends up at my feet on the 18 yard box and from then I'm just thinking hit the target that's all you can do just just don't miss and don't act the don't act so um, no look I'm just delighted to be on the score sheet obviously when it's, it's it means a lot when it's your um, hometown club and obviously the inaugural season and all that feeds into it so look we're we're on a bit of a roll at the minute um, and touch what it'll, it'll keep going in the same fashion you had a uh, very little preparation time, and we spoke to Tommy obviously before the season, like in terms of bringing in players and getting ready. Like, and it might be a little bit of a cliche question, but what's been the secret so far to being like really ultra competitive, getting results, you know, picking up points in nearly every game? Like, what's what do you think's been the biggest factor there? Do you know what? And I've been asked this question a lot. It's it, it's a tough one because, as you say, we didn't have the best um, pre-season. To be completely honest, I mean, we had three or four weeks where we didn't see, I don't think we saw football, to be completely honest, we just were, we were in, and that's what had to be done to get us in, to get us in shape, but uh, I don't know if it, it was a conscious decision by Tommy, but I think it's the squad he's put together and how well we've uh, gelled, you know, I've, I've played with some of those lads years and years, and other lads, it's my first time ever meeting them, and it's just a case of, it's gone from that to now we're all, as cliche as it sounds, we're, we're all best friends, it's like one big family in there, so it's easier to kind of go that extra mile you know, put in that tackle, make that pass when, when you're doing it for lads who you, who you really consider some good friends. And look, it's not the easiest of circumstances, as you say. I would honestly say that some of us still probably aren't up to, to, to full match fitness. But yeah. when, and you've seen it against the likes of Bray and, and, and Shells, especially like Bray, we had to dog out a result for 90 minutes. It was our first ever game. Shells is a bit different. We, we played them off the park for kind of the, the first half. Went to deserve it, 1-0 up. Had to come back from 2-1 down. And Clyde comes up in a 97-minute winner. And as you say, all those things are a lot easier when, when you're doing it for, for people you have a lot of respect for and a, and a club that's being run the right way. So if I had to put something, uh, if I had to kind of mark down the, the secret sauce, I'd just say it's the, the squad he's put together and the way it's it's being run. It's just, it's easier for, for us lads to go out and, and give it that kind of extra 10% when we need to. Yeah. 
there's a very limerick feel to the whole club down there in terms of the people behind the scenes, in terms of most of the lads on the pitch. Is that a key factor in that? Um, do you know what? I probably wouldn't say it is because we're so kind of, it's more the Midwest now at this stage. Um, do you know, we have, we're very ge- geographically diverse, I'd say. Um, we have lads coming from Cork, you know, the likes of Anto and Chaz. Um, we obviously have Ludden coming from Galway, who was, who was probably one of our, our major coops, major signings. Um, we have lads coming in from Kerry, McKean and the likes. It's, it's, it's a very Limerick-based club, but with a very kind of uh, monster-based feel, we'll say. Um, and obviously you have myself and a couple of lads coming from Clare. So I suppose we kind of want to make it more that kind of club for the region as opposed to club for the county. I think the way it's going at the minute is is um, only kind of accenting that even more. You see the buy-in from the fans, not only from, from Limerick, but I know people from around my own town in Shannon who I would have never known followed League of Ireland are texting me on a Friday night saying best of luck and, and whatnot. I know the lads in Galway are getting the same. So... Um, Look, touch wood, we keep going in the same way and we keep picking up results and hopefully that'll bring in even more fans from, from around the country. Yeah, you just touched on the community there and around the area, the football community, and I wanted to ask you about that. Like, is there a general feeling that people are back in this club now because we've seen like different iterations of a, of a club in Limerick over the years? You've obviously mentioned there that like people are, are buying in. So you think that the platform there is for a, a good club and a good strong club and then please God when fans return that we'll have, you know, fans in the ground there as well supporting you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I think that's one of the major points. You see, we we done the membership for um for Treaty and I think from talking to lads who are who are on the board, it's got a serious, serious amount of buy in. So hopefully that'll kind of um turnover when when fans are allowed back in and stuff like that but again we we're trying to as best as we can get in as much people from from around the region as opposed to just in um just in limerick and i think on the on the the other side of that then is if we could just be everyone's second favorite club you know it's it's kind of that kind of cinderella story if if someone if if someone's from Langford supporting Langford and they're thinking on a on a Friday night Langford aren't playing, geez, who am I gonna back in tonight? Who am I gonna pay the fiver for an LOI TV to watch? If that can be treated United, you know those fiver that up, that goes a long way to um to kind of making a sustainable structure in the club and and that's hopefully what we're we're gonna do with in the years to come. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, it's great to see the club kind of emerge from the ashes that was senior football down there. Um. As a, a local of sorts, uh, Shannon's not a million miles from Limerick, but as a local, how how important was it, I suppose, to have senior football back this year? Because it's the first time in, I think, the history since senior football was founded in Limerick that there wasn't a team in the league in some way, shape or form last year. Yeah, no, it's huge. It's massive. It's, it's, it's massive for everyone that's around. Uh, again, now this is where it, it kind of switches over from that regional thing to the Limerick team because the market field is such a big vocal point in, in Limerick on Friday nights. I remember going to when Limerick FC were playing. I remember being there the first night back um, after the Marcus Field opened and the atmosphere was something you just you couldn't describe and you wouldn't have expected to have seen it at a at a first division game in Ireland. I must I mean there must have been two or three thousand people there. Um and then especially for myself, I mean I've kind of gone round the ringer to end up going twenty minutes into training. You know, I was at Waterford and Galway and, and Cole for a short spell and all I really wanted at the time if you'd asked me was to to be playing for a kind of the, the club I supported the the whole way up and it's just an honour and a privilege now that I've gotten the opportunity to do that accent on top of that the fact that they've made me captain for the inaugural season it's just as a, a little cherry on top so no look it's a it's a huge thing for the for the county as well as us local lads. 
when we spoke to Tommy just before he has actually started playing, he said he was looking for us to be really competitive, which you've obviously been. But have expectations changed a little bit in that maybe you can reach one of them playoff places this year or are you not looking that far ahead at the moment? Like, Yeah, I suppose it's, it's a tough one. Our kind of mantra for the first couple of weeks was we, we, we'll take it game by game and we won't... Um, we won't get dragged into that sort of talk. We we see other clubs talking about winning winning the league and definitely getting promotion places, and we kind of tried to stay away from that as best as we could. But um, I suppose at the end of the day, you look at the results we've had. Nearly, we're coming up to our first round of games, um, finishing out, and we only have one loss, which we think we probably could have turned around. I mean, to go two 0 up and lose three two away to a now a, a very good UCD side still kind of stung a little bit, even though we were we were missing a few players. But look, I think what we'll have to do especially going into the, the second round of games, which will probably turn out to be the most important round, is um just keep the head down, keep doing what we're doing, not start smelling ourselves and stuff like that. Again, we just have to, no matter what the results come, if we go on a, I don't know, fingers crossed, we're going to streak of games of winning, we still can't get ahead of ourselves and start looking too far ahead. It's always the, the following Friday that we have to look forward to and um prepare prepare for. And I think that's what um we've done so far and that's why we've we've come up with some with some surprising results, we'll say. You touched on the markets field and the fact that the fans are there's a support there that you can't physically see at games on Friday nights yet. Uh, when fans are allowed back into to st- the stadium, whatever guys that's going to be in in the coming weeks or months, um, Limerick has a, a strong tradition of, of really getting behind a, a successful side, whatever the, the sporting code is. It's not that long ago since there was a couple of thousand in the markets field for a playoff game at Limerick. If you were to get to a playoff semi final or final, um, would you love to have that atmosphere of leading the team out to a home crowd in a playoff and, and hopefully maybe um, getting the club out of the first division? Yeah, look, that, uh, and it sounds super cliche, but what else could it, What else could you dream of? Do you know what I mean? When you're a little kid growing up, I suppose you're looking at the likes of the Premier League and stuff like that. But when you start actually getting involved in League of Ireland soccer, I don't think you could ask for much more than, than leading out your hometown club in a... In, front of sort of two, three thousand people like they did when they played in the class against Finn Harps. And if I was given the opportunity to do that, I'd I'd bite your hand off. Do you know what I mean? It's um it would be something that I think would stay with me for for a very long time. And if we were to come out on the, the right side of the result, um geez, I probably have to book about three or four weeks off work. They wouldn't see me. <laughs> Never mind work, my family wouldn't see me for three or four weeks. <laughs> but uh no look I and as you said it's the I think if we were to get to that stage, and, and touch would we might, we might make a playoff place or something like that. Um, I think the sport would be there in, in leaps and bounds. I think you see even the, the kind of board members that are in there at the minute watching games, they still create some sort of a some sort of atmosphere. And there's only 10 or 20 of them, plus the stewards, you know, there's not a lot of people in the grounds and they're still getting behind the lads as much as they can um, and creating that small bit of an atmosphere, which is kind of a precursor as to what might what might be to come when when fans are let back in so um look we're all just looking forward to it it's a, it's a it's a great kind of um project to be involved with i think we're all we're all very lucky to be involved with it we just look forward to your next game uh, against cabin Thiele and you know i know you've a little bit of league of ireland experience like within the squad but um what are you expecting from that game because that can be a really strange place to go i know my own um team has gone there a couple of times and lost like when we probably had a stronger side and you just don't know what the pitch is going to be like sometimes there's rugby on it sometimes there's not like so what are you actually expecting from uh, Cavendish coming this week 
Yeah, look, we we'll go through the same process that we go through with um with ever, with everyone. We'll we'll do our little bit of video and see see what they're up to. We know they've got a, a good string of results um over the last couple of weeks. I know they beat at loan at home, stuff like that. Um, but again, there's no easy games out. Like you you, you saw in Galway and Wexford, Wexford nearly pull out a point against against Galway until David Hurley was in the top corner in the ninety fifth minute. So anyone kind of pull out a result against anyone. We'll just have to go up there, as you say, take in blocks of 15 minutes, you know, like what, like we always do. Don't see, look to score goals. Um, and as you say, try and pinpoint their weaknesses and hopefully we'll um, come out on the right side of the results, these guys. Yeah, well, you've been uh, coming out on the right side of most results so far this season. I think uh, I'd expect to see something similar from me uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. So it's been a, a fairy tale so far for the, the new boys in the league. Congratulations on getting yourself on the score sheet at the weekend a uh, huge little uh, perk three points is even better much. and uh, best luck on friday and for the rest of the season thanks very much guys thanks for having me on cheers jack jack lynch there um the two great guests two good results this weekend maybe against the run of play in terms of how the season has gone so far but if you've been watching it closely neither surprising that the pats results and the uh, the United results of the weekend, Dean. No, uh, I think we've all been impressed with with Rod, and like we said on Friday, it wasn't a smash and grab or just kind of uh, nicking a win. It was a good, solid performance, very good goals. Um, I'm sure Tim's very, very happy with the performance, and then the same with uh, with Tommy side down at Treaty. They they were well worth their their one nil win. They were very, very solid. Took the goal really well, Jack, as we were talking to, and you know both. Both managers, Strada and Treaty, they'll be delighted with those three points over the weekend. Absolutely. Let's cast right forward to the fixtures over the coming week. And of course, we have a double round of fixtures. Uh, all 10 teams in action on Friday night and all 10 teams in action on Monday night as well. I might go through the fixtures. If you want to pick out one or two games that you think might be worth looking at this weekend, Friday at 5.45, two games kicking off there. Derry make the trip down to the RSC. They face Waterford, uh, while Pats and Bowes do battle at Richmond Park. Across uh, the city, Sharon Rovers, they go north to Dundalk to Oriel Park for what would have been a top-of-the-table clash in recent years. Dundalk versus Shamrock Rovers, 7.45 kickoff there. Sligo Rovers and Longford Town, the N4 derby. You're making your way to the showgrounds, uh, while Finn Harps host Drogheda United in the final game on Friday evening. All those games, obviously, on Watch LOI, €5 cover charge, or if you have a season pass, you get to watch it for free. Uh, any highlights there for yourself, Dean? Obviously, you'd be involved down in the showgrounds. Yeah, I think um, Dundalk Rovers was always, you know, the last couple of years, traditionally a, a bigger game, but I'm looking more so towards Pats and Bowes just at the moment. I think it might be a little bit more of an intriguing game. Bowes uh, playing well the last couple of weeks, two wins on the bounce. Pats lost two on the bounce as well. Like, and, you know, we're expecting Bowes to challenge for those kind of European spots and Pats are obviously hoping to. So that could be one that has a real, um, you know, effect on where those teams end up uh, at the end of the season. So I think that's a really interesting one for, for Friday night. Of course, Monday then, Bowes continue their tough weekend. They host Dundalk at Finsborough in uh, Dairyman Park, while Derry City and St. Patrick's Athletic do battle in the Ryan McBride Brandywell. Both those games, 5.45 kickoffs. Waterford host Finn Harps. While Longford, you'll be travelling to Drogheda to play Drogs there in Head in the Game Park, while Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers, uh, the clash of the Rovers in Tala. Now, not really a happy hunting ground for Sligo, although they have had good success between these sides in the showgrounds. It hasn't really translated into the away form. Uh, your thoughts on those games this weekend? 
Yeah, I think I'm looking at that Rovers and, and Sligo game and just, you know, we've seen Sligo make a good start to the season here and if, if they really want to challenge, they're going to have to start going to, to play like Rovers kind of consistently and, and getting something or, or putting it up to, to the likes of Rovers and uh, I'm sure Liam will set them up to try and get something from the game and again, that can propel them towards European places in the long run if they can go and, and secure uh, a point there or maybe get all three who knows so I think that's an interesting game uh, we've seen Rovers kind of methodically winning games over the, the first uh, round of games and have pulled away a little bit so it'll be interesting to see can someone and maybe it's Sligo put a dent in that in that Rovers armory of course it is uh, the second and third last round of the game is before the mid-season break in June there's a little break just after that and it's it's going to be a kind of a moving week at uh, three games in the week and I think uh, it'll be early indications as to where we are and where teams are in their own ideas after 14 rounds of games in just a, a week's time so or two weeks time and uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that pans out of course same in the first division uh, last set of fixtures in the first round of games uh, at Lone versus Cove and Cork versus Galway will take place on Saturday evening all games Saturday evening Shells and UCD top of the table clash Wexford host Bray Wanderers while Cabin Teeley as we heard from Jack will be playing against Treaty United at home on Saturday, uh, Friday and then all those games take place as well. So a full slate of fixtures, 10 games for Friday night. Uh, your thoughts on those games? Anything you'd be uh, suggesting people keep an eye on? Yeah, I think the first division every week, you can pick out a couple and you just don't know what you're going to get. I think Cabin Teeley Treaty could be you know, a, a very up and down game. Um, but I'm looking at uh, Shells and UCD. Obviously, it's the standout game and we expect UCD to kind of be a goal scoring team didn't score last week so maybe we're going to see kind of a, a fresher a fresher team there and they're going to come out you know looking to score goals and then shells who've been grinding along a little bit and have pulled up to the top of the table like so they can really make a statement there if they can beat one of their nearest rivals so i think i'm looking at that game more than more than any but um there's always good value in the in the first division no matter where you go there's, there's going to be storylines and, and, and entertainment so uh, you can't go wrong with any of them, but UCD Shells, I think, is the is the bigger one of 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 the fixture list there. I suppose the fact that it's John Caulfield's uh, first trip back to Cork City as well uh, doesn't even doesn't even make the ratings shows how how interesting the first division has become this year. Uh, loads for all fans of all clubs to get wet their whistle over the next seven days. Dean, thanks very much for joining us. To our guests today, to Jack Lynch and Daniel O'Reilly uh, for joining us and giving us their time uh, on what has been a particularly good weekend for both of them and both of their sides. Uh, to everyone watching and listening, thanks very much. Don't forget to subscribe to us, whether it's YouTube or on Spotify or any of the, of the podcast directories, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you here each and every week. Dean, uh, the best of luck in the showgrounds Friday night. Uh, it's always a tough place to go, uh, particularly in recent weeks and months. Uh, and uh, we wish you the very best of luck. And uh, we'll see you back in a couple of weeks' time. Cheers, Brett. Hopefully we have a few more points on the board by the time we speak next.